Hey everyone, Jacob here from That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the Overmanga Cast. This week we return to the Sakura Cosmos for Eden Zero by Hiro Mashima. We read chapters 29 through 48, the Digitalis and Planet of Eternity arcs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. My name is Sam, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. Uh, as always, at the top of the show, we talk about our familiarity with the franchise we read, though uh, this revisit episode of Eden Zero has a bit of a, a, a unique one, because during the recording session of No Read November last year, when we were all uh, brought together, uh, that was after the Eden Zero anime came out. So we all kind of got together and watched a few episodes of it, and it was pretty good. I, I definitely... Uh, enjoyed it and the op is a banger so i listened to it a whole bunch beyond that i haven't really done anything else with it uh how about you guys yeah jacob here uh, pretty much the same uh thought that the adaptation was pretty solid though uh funnily enough i actually had uh I had the uh, uh, next chapter open i had already bitten a chunk into it uh whilst we were recording off to the side so I had read the uh, the first chapter of this section, but similar to with what happened with uh, One Punch Man, just the reading schedule got away from me and I couldn't keep up with it. So pretty much all of this was uh, new to me. And you, Matt? No read November is uh, all I saw from this. Um, I didn't do any additional reading. And uh, like the rest of that weekend, I kind of forgot the anime existed. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> we did our best to forget most of those things happened that dread weekend like all the sunburn Ugh. hey i had fun i'd do it again <laughs> but yeah so we've returned to eden zero we are picking up where of course we left off where our heroes had just escaped the the vile planet gilst just or guilist something along those lines we list we didn't watch far enough into the anime to figure out how to pronounce that. Either way, they had escaped. It had been eaten by a chronophage. And uh, now we are continuing our quest for the rest of the four shining stars of the Eden Zero. But uh, because uh, because this manga is what it is, we have to start off with the mandatory hot tub scene. Uh, there, there was no reason that page had been uh, uh, open uh that i had stopped on that one <laughs> look hey the hot tub is filled with various herbs and spices that naturally unlock your ether channels i think was what someone said <laughs> at one point i guess uh, i i think hermit mentions that later on and rebecca had kind of unintentionally discovered that effect yeah because um uh homer uh, is She's training in the hot water. Yeah. I like how the traditionally Japanese like character is like this hot spring. What is this nonsense? We are in boiling soup water. <laughs> I must endure this. And there's happy like, look, it's like hot tub temperature. It's fine. You don't have to be in the water if you don't want to. It's only 107 degrees. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a bit of a this is the start of uh, a, a reoccurring bit that we will see where after every arc, um, I suppose this isn't really the start of it. This is the next instance of it that kind of makes it the reoccurring bit where uh, Rebecca will return to the uh, the spa of Eden, as she now calls it. <laughs> Usually with Omara. 
usually with Homura, probably going to be joined by more girls in the future because, of course. I can only assume they will only add <laughs> girls, uh, given what the uh, the author um, comment was at the one. It's like, I originally intended to have more male characters, but uh, I guess that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Masuma Sensei? I appreciate yeah, I'm it. I'm not going to complain. We get a bit of wrap up as well uh, after the mandatory hot tub scene. Someone from the guild calls Rebecca to confirm that she is indeed all right. And um, we also uh, we also get mentioned in passing that, yes, that cover that depicted all of the people Cheeky and Rebecca had saved uh, are indeed fine. And they drop them off somewhere. Oh, they made it back to Blue Garden and they're all singing Rebecca's praises and she's kind of famous now. Her channel is blowing up. Unfortunately, it's not helping her actual video ratings. They're actually hurting her video ratings because they're like, ooh. She keeps getting negative reviews. Yeah. Explosive popularity. Nothing but bad comments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we we do get to see what her idea of uh, content is and we're like, oh, well, she's She's a variety streamer that doesn't understand how to make good content, I guess, because she's I mean, honestly, if she was just constantly streaming everything that happens uh, with Shiki, well, we know it's at least entertaining because we enjoy the manga. But <laughs> I have a feeling that her uh, subsequent uh, videos are probably going to be uh, progressively uh better uh reviewed. But we need to get on the track of the next member of the Shining Stars, uh, Hermit. Oh, is that Hermit over there? <laughs> yeah I, I love yeah, this the hermit retrieval arc lasts like two chapters it, it chapter, lasts like, like a page four, it's four panels <laughs> they go like well oh no time to start looking for hermit hey who's that girl sitting on those giant statues oh that's hermit good job everyone <laughs> I, I i love it it's like we're gonna we need to start somewhere so we're gonna go to this planet that she really liked oh hey there she is good job team <laughs> It's always in the first place you look. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I I want to talk about the place where they found her, though, because, like, of course, finding Hermit is the goal. But we should really point out that it is a planet-sized monument with 12 statues depicting grand heroes floating there in space. The heavenly knights of the dancing Sakura who defended the Sakura cosmos during the Dark Age. <laughs> Whatever that is. You know, we've still not gotten an explanation for that. If I recall correctly, uh, Ether Gear is supposed to be like dark air, uh, dark age technology. That was the first mention that we got of the dark age. Supposedly lost of time, which doesn't account for the number of people that have Ether Gear, but I'm not going to argue. Look, the Eden Zero is collecting main characters. It's fine. I, I suppose that really is the case, isn't it? Uh, of course, we're going to run into people who have ether gear because we need to run into people who are main character enough to be involved in this this story. Yeah, and it, look, it's like when you get to the second half of the grand line, everyone's got a devil's root power. Or they know how to use hockey like <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, it is basically look. Th- a, this reading more than anything made me made me uh, reassert. Uh, what I said at the beginning of last episode, which was, I think Mashima Sensei was very heavily pulling from uh, One Piece, at least in terms of inspiration with this. Because hmm. it's like how each of the islands in One Piece is their own like little world. It's literally its own little world, emphasis on little. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it is very much a, it is very much a, uh, uh, a thing that, like, the tone set 
how seriously you know the audience should take things like this like that's one of the big things the reason why i've always uh been so happy with eden zero and liked it so much is entirely because it does a really good job of establishing you know how seriously you should Mm. take things like you know the plot contrivance of wasn't ether gear supposed to be rare ah they're all main characters it's fine like it 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 threads that needle well is the thing that's kept me on its side through stuff like that Mm -hmm. and besides finding finding hermit in literally the first place they look is very much the series sense of humor especially because that doesn't technically solve the problem oh yeah it's also pretty realistic it's like hey this person can be in three places let's go with the most (laughs) likely oh they were there like yeah that's why you left there exactly Exactly. that never happens in stories it's nice when it actually does for once We'll talk a bit more about the Heavenly Knights later, or at least I want to. I want to deep dive into that a little bit later. Right now, for the sake of advancing the plot, we've got Hermit back. Yay! Unfortunately, she's basically catatonic. Boo. And uh, the crew doesn't exactly know what's going on. She's just kind of lying there on one of the medical tables, unresponsive. She's a shadow Pokemon. Her heart has been closed. I mean, her heart has been closed to darkness. <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't know which I don't want to bring in more the the Pokemon Coliseum series or Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> E-Denji, your heart's full of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> don't open the door again, Denji. See, see, the real ultimate crossover uh, would be uh, Pokemon Coliseum, Eden Zero and Chainsaw Man. Oh god. <laughs> Talk about clashing themes, but <laughs> and tones. But uh Shiki, brilliant man that he is, says, Well, why don't we just go inside of her and f- find her heart and fix it? Shiki, that's stupid. That's not we we can't, honey, I shrunk the kids this situation. And then which uh <laughs> Actually you can. Actually you're, you're really downplaying that. It's like multiple characters have to have separate points of like, no, Shiki, what you just said was incredibly <laughs> stupid. I'm with Weiss here. No, I'm with both of them. What you said was incredibly stupid. And then which shows up. Hold on just a second. I'm a huge simp for Shiki. So whatever he said is secretly genius. And I'm like, yep. yep that's how <laughs> <laughs> well, as it turns out, uh, you thought this was going to be some sort of uh, hunt. Uh, hunting down the lost uh, character arc no this is actually the definitely not sword art online arc there there's just absolutely no shame whatsoever in this series and uh (laughs) we'll call it inspiration yeah (laughs) the only thing the only thing that's different is that they're not trapped they're they can leave willingly at any time but they they even uh they even pull the if you die in the game you die in real life isn't because the game is broken. That seems to have always been a standard feature of this video game world. Look, Digitalis is fucked up for several reasons. <laughs> <laughs> All of which we will get to. Which determines that through the inspiration of what Shiki said, that Hermit has isolated herself by diving into the world of Digitalis, which was once a uh, VR MMO whose entire like server to run the game is a planet i yeah i i'm not sure i 100 percent got that because when they show a picture of the planet the planet is the vr world it, it's like digitalis is both a 
a server world and also like an actual VR game. Look, I'm I'm gonna just say right now, um, Digitalis uh, does not understand how computers work. <laughs> I don't think the author knows how computers work. Oh, surely not. No, this is Digi- <laughs> this is absolutely Digimon logic because the planet itself seems to be made up of a stream of ones and zeros. That's not how it actually works, guys. If I just say programming, does that like mean whatever <laughs> I want it to be? Sure. <laughs> no, the thing that gets me is that Digitalis the, the the actual like VR game was shut down ages ago. Like the service is no longer a thing because the planet sized server went rampant. We went full halo here and all of the NPCs attained sentience at the same time and broke away from doing like MMO quest stuff, except they didn't. <laughs> like that's the thing they did and they d- it's like well the the first character we meet is actually a, a, a pretty good example of uh exactly how this works because i think i think this is pretty well done where the the guy who comes and uh greets you in the first town and like hey i have a quest for you or something along those lines like he still does that but then he goes on to say boy it's a good thing i can say other things besides that it was hell what i was just uh doing that over and over again whenever somebody walked into town and then he goes on to have a perfectly normal conversation Mm -hmm. like they still have the instincts of the mmo elements that spawn them but they're also completely self-aware on top of that. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. I'm just like, when the story is the company running this gave up because they went rogue, and then you see, what did they mean by go rogue? Oh, just they did the same thing, but are friendlier and better. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure you needed to stop. And also, it seems like they Some did Some people stop. haven't, yeah. Because they still have players logging in. And they also still have a working ban system, which is not Mm. removing. I don't think you know how anarchy works also, as well as computers. Um. (laughs) That's that's fair. That's that's not an inaccurate assessment. Yeah. Like, you could say that it's an auto banner, but also like. It doesn't seem like a very good auto banner, given what we see later. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So Digitalis uh, is another one of those best if you don't think about it too hard situations. But anyway, Digitalis, obviously, since you've got to go into the Matrix, as is sci-fi convention, you need a skin-tight bodysuit. Mm-hmm. Good thing the ship prints those on demand, and we can have all the characters just standing around in them for a few pages. Yep, there's more of that uh, that equal opportunity fan service Jake was lauding a lot in the uh, <laughs> previous episode. Because, who boy, everybody... Uh, <laughs> so uh, our our uh, away team for this is uh, Shiki, Rebecca, Homura, Weez... Pino and Happy, and and like Pino and Happy are obviously they they're just small. They're cute mascot characters. They're, they're cute mascot but... characters. All, everybody else are hot people in skin tight outfits. <laughs> Shiki literally says, "It looks like I was poured into this." <laughs> Shiki seems to be taking to the modern world quite well. <laughs> he really is. And then it's like, like I keep saying that this is the not Sao arc because it totally is, but um. I feel like Mashima Sensei is also a fan of Code Lyoko, given the actual like way that they dive in to the MMO is they get into their their like nerve gears. They suits, get into the pods, and the, yeah. yeah, they get into Code Lyoko pods. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, is Xana going to appear, or is somebody <laughs> going to fall into the digital sea? 
Kind of. Oh, man. I miss Code Lyoko. Does that have a manga? Could we do an episode on Code Lyoko? I was just going to say something like that. It, it, it's French, so no, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might have a, it might have a, a comic, and Code Lyoko was pretending to be an anime, so they might have done it in manga style. But then it wouldn't be the first time I, I, we haven't done a manga on this manga show. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're in the video game arc. Like, yeah. it's it's not really distinctly anything because it also just immediately turns into fantasy game, which. Yeah, I, I love how Shiki even references like, oh, so this is just like a fantasy game thing, like the amusement park I found out I grew up in. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Shiki, you're really taken well to this personal trauma. Um, yeah, he really is. Uh we he does blue screen at one point later, but <laughs> we do have a fun bit where uh, everybody gets to make custom avatars. We have Rebecca, who made herself into a cat girl, obviously. We have uh, Homura, who decided to go for the gender swap and ride on a weird bunny mount thing with a bubble head. It says it's a horse. So, <laughs> so I, I blame the character customization things that they're like, yes, do you want a horse? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a weird bunny thing. And then uh, Weez obviously turned himself into uh, he turned himself into a girl <laughs> and obviously in a tube top because, of course, in a tube top and booty shorts. <laughs> not not for any like self-identity reason. It's uh, so he can just touch beautiful women because this is a full dive MMO, which means he can jiggle them as much as he wants. <laughs> He is very upfront with his motivations. Yep. <laughs> Rebecca, Rebecca questions him and and he's literally groping himself while he says, isn't it obvious why I chose to do this <laughs> without your fantasies? <laughs> God damn it, Louise. Uh Pino, uh, speaking of living out one's fantasies, uh, Pino oh! turns herself. She turns herself into a human, a little bunny girl thing, but she's so cute. She's so cute. <laughs> I want to pat her head. And uh, Shiki is yoked out of his mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love the I love the line when he comes in with his like chest that is four times the size of his legs. And he is like hulking three stories tall, like just made of muscles. And he's just like, yeah, no, I, uh, I couldn't really decide anything. So I basically just made myself look how I normally do a little bit stronger. But, you know, this is how I look in real life. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much a direct quote it was great <laughs> oh. and, and uh it lasts exactly it lasts basically that long as you know the gag plays out and it, it, it lasts one panel and then rebecca demands he pick a better avatar yeah, and so shiki turns himself well basically into tarzan he's he's the wild man that he was uh, at the beginning on grand bell complete with a <laughs> leopard print tunic well, yeah, so our intrepid heroes uh, head out to uh, begin their quest on uh, finding their the lost crewmate of the Eden Zero. They have that interaction with the NPC that we were mentioning earlier. Okay, I imagine, because this guy like giggles after everything he says, I imagine it's supposed to be him just kind of reveling in the fact that he can break script, and yet he's doing it. it, it it's kind of the, it's the... Um, the Bioshock thing of a man chooses a slave obeys you can uh, he is choosing to follow the triggers instead of being forced to follow them and he's kind of reveling in that I yeah. kind of read that as a sinister laugh because uh, something we neglected to mention is that uh, the best character Zhao Mei the narrator otherwise known as weird omnipresent space lady uh, she shows up and uh, warns us that this arc is particularly sadistic 
I gotta say, I really appreciate the meta way to put a trigger warning in your arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, just a heads up. This is going to get pretty bad. And I'm like, but everything seems so happy. And then we get this giggling, like, rogue AI. And that <laughs> colored my perspective. Like, oh, I see what's going on here. And then that didn't happen. But, you know. And, and then that, and then that yeah. ended up not being the sadistic thing. We will get to it. <laughs> but we will get to the sadistic but yeah, thing. Yeah, no. Uh, Mashima Sensei plays with our perceptions pretty hard in this, but it's but it's like for all of the just having etchy fun with it. Uh, there, there's uh, when it knows it needs to take itself seriously, it takes itself deadly seriously, and it is it is hit slam dunks every time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. But, <laughs> but uh, our heroes are going about their quest. They have a vague idea of head north because there was someone over there acting weird uh, a strange girl who came through uh and we get a cutaway to uh the antagonist of this arc uh, i have described him and in, in the outline as gamer trademark <laughs> capital g he's all the worst people of twitter he is exa- he is the stereotype he is uh why gamers are oppressed he's the worst <laughs> And, and I was, <laughs> I, I hate this man so much. Basically, uh, reading all of his scenes with the, uh, oh, it's gonna be so fun to watch him get his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when every, when every bit of uh, uh, advantage he has is stripped away from him by bit, <laughs> it is gonna be so satisfying. He's, he's this gangly. He, actually, now that I think about it, in retrospect, he looks a lot like Ryuk from Death Note. Yeah, I, I, I got a bit of a like a sort of like a uh, not like Batman Joker, but like Joker on a playing card. He's got that uh, kind of, of like uh, um, gangly goth aesthetic of like the long, thin yeah. like proportions and claws. And like he's got the metal plated jaw like he's very mm-hmm. angular. And the big scythe. Mm. And you, you see this silhouette walk into an inn and say, give me a woman or I kill you. But but you can't kill NPCs. You'll get banned. Don't you know? I'm the chosen player. I can't get banned for anything. <laughs> Evil laugh. And he he asks for uh, I forget exactly how he phrases it, but it it's sort of made pretty clear that he's looking for somebody in particular. Mm-hmm. And the strong implication is that he's looking for uh, Rebecca and company. And the other thing is uh, they don't make it. They don't make it overtly clear that he's in a completely different town. This is another one where I'm like, uh, wow, they found the boss fight really fast. Mm-hmm. But uh turns out he's actually in the next town over. Yeah, because it does end with uh, the Eden Zero crew getting a room at an inn and then this guy going into an inn. And it's, again, not entirely clear that he's not in the same inn. Look, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to say that's the most accurate thing I've seen so far in Eden Zero is that an MMO world has near identical villages that you can't tell apart from each other. <laughs> <laughs> There's like one distinguishing feature per village. And if you don't see that one distinguishing feature, you can't tell which the is The layout of human inns in World of Warcraft is eternally burned into my brain. I could walk through one of them with my eyes closed. <laughs> But yeah, on the way to the next town, they uh, they bump into an event boss outside of his area because he's fleeing the uh, the town that uh, our our uh, antagonist was in. Our delightful villain has. I, I love uh, this character because his voice is like supposed to be very like he's trying to make himself sound fancier. 
like is the kind of voice they're going. And I read that completely straight initially, but then there's a scene at the very end where he talks to one of the female characters. I think it's Homura and mm-hmm. he's hitting on her. So now like, <laughs> retroactively, it all just became like the giant troll just going like tips fedora, milady. <laughs> Did you know I am a hero of sorts? <laughs> he ends random words with ETH. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun the rare cases where uh it happens to land on a word that you could actually do that with. <laughs> Cause otherwise he's got he's got uh, a bunch of hyphens in his uh speech bubbles. <laughs> But he says that uh, the the dread serial killer Gemalov has uh, destroyed the town. You guys should definitely not go there. He he uh, doesn't discriminate between humans and NPCs. He he will just kill anybody. And Shiki says, "All right, I'm. We're definitely going All there. All right, I'm gonna go beat him up. <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna punch him in the schnoz." <laughs> I, I had honestly forgotten how delightful I find Shiki to be between this reading and uh, last reading and this one. He he's just so entertaining. Look, all all I'm happy about is I I can deal with your like solid gold good boy points protagonist. I just like that Shiki has some flaws. Shiki has some like a small amount of lust. He's got like ambition of violence. He's he's less like white picket fence. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not a pure good boy. He's a good hearted character, but he's got some more spice to him than that, which is uh, a, a lot of fun to see him play around. Like turning himself into a giant yoked behemoth, because obviously he's this strong. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is basically how I yeah. normally look like that's that's not even like that's not even like, oh, he's he's too dumb. Goku like he like that's not the joke there. The, yeah, that's pure vanity. That's yeah, no, I, I normally look this tough and macho. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he, he's great. But um, uh, we, we are assured that our heroes are fine because uh, the next chapter opens up with them basically like in a big cuddle puddle on the bed with Rebecca, oh. who's like, guys, you need to work on your sleeping habits. Rebecca's just like this. This is this is not okay. Like we do not all pool in one bed. <laughs> Our group arrives in the in the town where the the serial killer was said to be, and uh, and now we can now we can see the one distinguishing feature for this town is that there are crystals on the on the mm-hmm. roofs. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. So <laughs> yeah, because uh, the town is kind of destroyed, and a heavily damaged NPC limps forward begins saying his canned line and then gets his friggin head lopped off by a giant scythe oh i thought i thought their head had already been cut but like the like um oh. po- the way they were turned you couldn't see that's why they were stuttering and then they turned asking for help and you could see they were missing half of their face and it was just like uh oh, yeah, no, no, that, code yeah no yeah no that is it i was wrong i, I remembered it incorrectly it is that and it's so like okay <laughs> i can see why you warned me uh-huh <laughs> okay I've, I've seen some of the sadism there got it and um you haven't seen yet um oh yeah yeah, no, it. Uh, I mean, it does ultimately get worse, but like the immediate reaction is, ah, we found the mm-hmm. sadism. Because this poor NPC is brutally destroyed as uh, Jamalov steps out bragging, saying that uh, this is this just isn't doing it for him. This isn't enough there. 
Uh, there isn't enough uh, pain being dealt out here. He prefers it when he sees people mm -hmm. die. Okay, buddy. Yeah, and he wants to see the screaming looks on their faces, which is why it's actually kind of disappointing that uh, those three PCs he impaled on the spire over there are too far away for him to see the details of their face. I'm sorry, what? Three uh, player characters. So actual, like, real-life humans impaled Vlad... Well, not even Vlad the Impaler style, because that, that'd be vertical. They are horizontally uh, thrust through a spire, stacked on top of each other. It's more Helsing than real-life mm -hmm. Dracula. And they are twitching and whimpering, and they dissolve away. Oh, Shiki runs up to try and help them, and they're like, it's too late. I'm not allowing it's them to log off. Mm-hmm. One thing that Eden Zero has made a particular point of establishing is that just because you aren't a flesh and blood human doesn't mean you're not a person. And these NPCs are an excellent example of that. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it really goes to show how um, how little the how little uh, Jamilov like considers the pain he's inflicting on other people. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know. <laughs> Doc, uh, ultra evil villain. I think villain the problem trait. is Jemilov is over fixated on the pain he's causing other people. I, I, yeah, I think it's that's where the sadism comes in. Like he's he's doing yeah, this yeah. because it hurts people. It hurts people. Yeah. What what Jake was getting at with uh, the NPCs are just as much people as player characters. Uh, that is continuing to Eden Zero's uh, overarching theme of everybody has a uh, has a heart. Well, and, no, because Shiki well, also goes like some people don't have hearts. Yeah, they're bad. <laughs> but when when we see what Jamalov it's, does, it's specifically referring to this. Yeah, it's specifically referring to this sadist. And I'm I'm inclined mm -hmm. to agree. Uh, I I got a whole uh, lot of uh, Camille Bidon vibes with uh, <laughs> you are the kind of person <laughs> who doesn't deserve to live. Except Eden Zero isn't a parade of misery and suffering, so maybe something good will happen hey, by the end yet. of this. We can always hope. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Shiki, of course, goes to attack Jamilov, who um, ha has hacked the game to make himself invincible because he is the worst kind of person. Rather than continue this fight that he is very obviously and domineeringly winning, uh, he says, oh, wait, I got a meeting with Jack and Joe. Better log off later, losers. And like, he just dips. Though, actually, the mentioning of Zeta Gundam, it, it made me realize I kept reading his name as Jamatov because <laughs> of the Zeta Gundam villain. <laughs> Funnily enough. But you were going to say something, Matt? Yeah, I was like, this guy's just name dropping Draken Joe because like, yeah, I'm part of his gang. I'm cool. I work and with Draken Joe. And he's like, I got to stop killing you guys so I can go to an important meeting with him, which I'm like, while reading this, I'm like, ah, cool. In retrospect, talking about it now, I'm like, what the fuck could that meeting have been about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's very much something to establish his character because 100 percent what's going on is he thinks it he he thinks it's intimidating and makes him seem untouchable. But these people don't care. And it's really a pretty serious sign of weakness, because what he's saying is I'm insecure. And if you do anything to make me lose, then I'll go run to, you know, big brother uh, who will be, uh, you know, my dad will beat up your dad mm -hmm. sort of mentality. Uh, and it does a really good job of establishing the kind of scumbag he is, as if we needed any any more help with that. Oh, yeah, he's incredibly but... weak, uh, not in terms of like physical threat, but in terms of personality, he is an absolute 
pansy. It's a good way because uh, like there's the other issue of, OK, we got to establish the boss, but we can't just immediately go to the boss and then have the whole boss mm-hmm. fight like, you know, the, the the way that this arc is paced out. We haven't even found um, like we have to we have to have some kind of emotional connection with uh, whatever is going on with Hermit before we actually, you know, do the boss mm-hmm. fight like that's Which just we the kind way of get is because uh, she gets like a little end of the yeah. chapter scene when she's been mentioned, like around when the fight with um, Jamilov started. Like, and it cuts to her going like, ha, huh. she gets mentioned briefly and then it cuts to her up on a mountaintop just staring off into space in the VR game she was doing in real life. Just going, mm. I hate all humans. They have no hearts. Darkness, uh, darkness, mm. keyblades. <laughs> uh, actually, something just occurred to me. Uh, given what we learn later about what Dragon Joe thinks of Jamilov, which is to say not at all, uh, this also kind of highlights that this is sort of a fridge logic moment of uh, highlighting uh, Jamilov's delusions of grandeur. He thinks he's cooler and more important than he is. And like, he thinks he thinks he's cool, important, and especially mm-hmm. protected as in, even if he, even if his cheating gets uh, circumvented somehow, he still is untouchable because of his connection mm-hmm. to Drac and Joe who does not care about him in the least. And we'll we'll see how that goes for him in the long I, run. I guess my fridge logic thing was I'm wondering what is the timeline for him? Because mm-hmm. he immediately goes to see Jack Dragon Joe after like the whole thing arc settles and the arc settles this same day or does it settle the next day? It's the same day. It settles the next day. Yeah, it's oh, same is day. It the same day. It's they're, not, night, they're not right? ultra clear. Oh, the right, problem is, right. Yes. It, it, it's within a day. Yeah, so it's like, but like when Drac and Joe was at the meeting, just because you should have done the reading and we're kind of just talking about the arc as a whole, like when he goes to Drac and Joe, no one knows who he is by name. Mm-hmm. Drac and Joe does not recognize him, despite the fact he had a meeting with this guy the previous day. And so, I'm like, oh, well, obviously he's lying. But why would he do that? Because he was winning the fight. I, I think. Him meeting Drac and Joe in person was an unusual thing. And it's pretty clear from Drac and Joe's reaction is that this guy is because like uh, one of Drac and Joe's um, other henchmen is like, that's the hacker. I think his name is mm-hmm. Tick or something like it's it's really more of a matter of this guy is not as important as he thinks he is. So he probably did have a meeting with Drac and Joe is just like a normal like this is my day job thing, you know, between him playing his MMO game during company time and Drac and Joe literally mm. just forgot because he's <laughs> yeah probably I mean given this guy because of that you know yeah. okay. Drac and Joe just doesn't care enough about this I guy guess, to remember I guess him. there's also a blank space of time for how long it took for him to go crying home to mommy uh-huh. I suppose that there that is kind of nebulous the way I personally read it is uh, he did lie and it's like, why would he run if he was winning the fight? Well, yeah, he was winning the fight. He was going to win it because he was cheating. The, his victory was basically assured, but it wasn't effortless. He didn't just swing his scythe once and have everybody die, which had been what was happening with uh, all the all the other people he was serially murdering. And as we established, he's a coward. So even though his victory was completely self-evident. It was a foregone conclusion. He still ran because it wasn't hit one button win game. He would have had to not exactly put an effort, but it would have taken a greater amount of time. And this guy is gamer TM capital G. 
his patience is nil. At least that's at least that's my take on it. I'm not sure I can buy that take, but I think I'm also at the point I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> the point being, um, Homura walks away from the group, talks with somebody named Jesse in an alley, and then goes and walks up to Jamalov in the woods and says, hey, by the way, I want to betray the Eden Zero crew and meet Drak and Joe. This is certainly a subplot that happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, I can't, I can't say that I immediately predicted what was going to happen because, like, my thought was either we're going to learn some backstory thing about Homura, which is what I would have guessed had I been asked before I got to it, or my second thought was, or that's mm-hmm. an imposter. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a subplot that happens is definitely my view on it. Like, I, I can just glance over it happening is really how much it ends up mattering. Because <laughs> the, the immediate thing I noticed was that uh, as soon as she wasn't amongst the rest of them, she instantly dropped her, like, defining mm-hmm. character also, gimmick. And because she wasn't looking like her normal self, that's basically the only way you could tell yeah. it was her. The, the only thing I'd say with that is that it is also the behavior you would expect if you are pretending to join a like, you know? Yeah, I, it's mm. I, it, uh, which is why which is why my first thought was, uh, oh, we're going to learn something about Homer's backstory. Either that or it's e- an imposter. Either way, this subplot was just kind of cliffhanger bait for me was what it ended up being. It, it felt like it only mm. came up to end a chapter a lot of times. Admittedly, that is what happened. I will say uh, I did. It, I won't say it was like the most compelling thing in this entire reading, but I did uh, appreciate the quality enough of Homura is a brand new character at this point. So we don't really know her. Mm-hmm. She's still new enough that her defining character gimmick of always speaking her mind is probably not super fresh in your mind. Uh, Happy at one point states that uh, because of the nature of the avatars and the fact that the NPCs have uh, gone rampant, it's almost impossible to tell the difference between a PC and an NPC, which kind of sets the, uh, the idea in your mind that it's very easy to be deceptive uh, in the VR MMO. But uh, yeah, no, it's not Homer. It's an imposter, which comes up. I, I just love them doing all this like setup for intrigue, and then the main villain is yes, I am the evil scythe wielding serial killer. <laughs> just like okay, I guess that's what we're doing now. But while all that is happening, uh, we've managed to find Hermit. She's just kind of sitting on this hill, being sad, and refuses to talk to Shiki at all, uh, other than saying, "Oh, so you're the kid that Ziggy found. I guess you're all grown up now. Whatever, go away, human." You seem pretty sad. What if I keep screaming about friendship? Go away. <laughs> it's the sh- it's the shonen way. I just love when that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be back tomorrow to keep screaming about friendship at you. Yeah, whatever. And then a giant monster army attacks the town because uh, the monsters worship Jemilov as a god and see you getting killed by him as giving him holy exp. It. it well, He's ordering them, and I think the the basis here is that the monsters gained sentience, but the monsters are, like, very different from NPCs. Like, they are built to be killed. So I think they've got just a completely different mentality of it. They're like, yeah, our purpose is... Mm -hmm. Because the game was still running as they gained sentience, so clearly players were still killing monsters, Mm -hmm. and the NPCs don't like the monsters. So I think they're kind of like... This is what I'm made for in life. I'm conscious of that fact, but it's still a desirable end for me is kind of their whole thing. 
a, a, a culmination of one's life work kind of thing. But we have a, a big standoff with the monster army. Shiki beats up a whole bunch of them because he's the protagonist. One of the other ones that uh, gets mentioned is that Pino and uh, Whis can't use their powers because that would be seen uh, by the game as hacking. Mm-hmm. I love how they banned. even have the one character is like, why'd we even bring them then? I don't know. <laughs> I think we says that. Then why am I here? Uh, we we saw not caring about being part of this adventure is great. Like he messes around, <laughs> makes a female avatar because he doesn't care. He's walking around going like, D- I don't care. This is dumb. Even like the he cares about the AIs getting killed. But like even that, there's a, like a level of like. Eh. He cares about it in the sense of people I don't know getting killed for no reason is sad at an intellectual level. It's certainly sad. It's not like I'm even really here. I'm across the galaxy a different place and can leave in a blink of an eye. So it's like, yeah, I'm sorry this is happening. But like, eh? Because again, Weiss is very um, like Han Solo. He's just like, sucks to be you. I mean, yeah, galaxy's a rough place. Yeah, very in character. I think he cared him. slightly more about uh, the PCs who were impaled on the pike, which in all fairness, I think even the NPCs care slightly more that the PCs are being killed. Yeah. They at least acknowledge there is slightly more worth to not that their hearts are any different. It's just that human life is more easily replaceable. Uh, other way around. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Strictly speaking, you could program another like, you know, fully conscious uh, NPC. And moreover, the the humans can uh, leave uh, Digitalis, whereas the NPCs mm-hmm. can't like their their entire existence is on this planet. So it's like it's not like they're worth less. I, I almost feel bad putting it this way, but it's sort of the same idea of like, you know, if there's a child and a dog drowning in a river, yeah, you try like, to save them both. But if that's not an option, you know, like it's who like, you should be saving. It's like, oh, man, no, I could never see a dog die. But if you face the reality of the person who saved a dog rather than a child, you're like, oh, yeah. my God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> that's sort of the place that the NPCs and are it's in. Like, it's it's an interesting philosophical discussion that I mean, the manga doesn't admittedly dive too deep into, but uh, it's an idea that bears thinking about. And maybe if our heroes weren't heroes in a shonen manga, uh, they would have uh, more time uh, and like hardship to to. Spend. And more pages considering yeah, that. And, a bit instead, more it's just, all right, we've awoken the power of friendship, and now Shiki will gravity power into victory. So, did Hermit just follow them when they came to recruit her? Like, she didn't stay up there. She's like, well, I guess I'm doing nothing else. When the monsters attacked, they uh, the, the cliff that ah. she was on was just right outside of the town. So, Shiki went to her because the monsters, some of the monsters mm-hmm. noticed her there. And we're attacking her and she, she wasn't defending herself. Okay. So he grabs her and brings yeah, her back. She was like, all right, well, guess it's finally time for me to go. This is as good a way as any. And Shiki snags her and is like, I saved you. Oh. We're friends. It's such a better line than that, Sam. It's just like, well, at least I'm not being killed by humans. Oh, I actually <laughs> forgot that. And given what we learned it's... about her backstory, that that. Oh, oh is... yeah. She sets up a backstory. All right. Uh, mm hmm. Well, I, I have some thoughts about the backstory, but we'll get to that I, when we get to I it. I also have some thoughts about the backstory, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. The point being, Hermit's uh, cold exterior is not as unbreakable as she uh, 
pretends it to be. And uh, this act of generosity has compelled her to side with the heroes, at least long enough to kick Jamilov's ass, which I can get behind. Well, isn't that when Shiki um, takes the arrow for the little NPC girl? Yeah. It's also when mm-hmm. he does that. Yeah. It, it's a combination of him saving her and also him risking his own life to save the NPC girl, which, you know, Hermit points out, she's just a packet of data. What are you doing? And Shiki says, she is sentient and alive. She has a heart, just like you, just like me, just like everybody except that asshole. And she's like, okay, fine. I'll counteract his cheats. How are you going to do that without getting banned? Oh, I'm just going to uh, route myself through Weez's player ID so he'll be banned in my stead. Weez is just like, cool, I don't care. This game's dumb. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that sounds like him. <laughs> yeah, because it's revealed It's revealed the reason why uh, Jamilov was able to get away with what he was doing was because uh, he was using um, other accounts as proxies and getting them banned in his stead. And, uh, you know, battle is joined. Uh, she, uh, Hermit turns off his infinite HP. Yeah, can, can we talk about this hacker battle? <laughs> It, it's pretty I, I have never seen something more just like the tin it's in says it's a hacker battle i guess um, mm-hmm. they just keep shouting like i did this to the programming and then magic shit happens and i'm like okay cool i mean it has it very much has the energy of a playground fight of i have my everything proof shield because jamalov goes to attack Shiki, and he's like, I used my hacking powers to get rid of all of his armor. He's completely vulnerable. I give him the armor of light. I take it away. I give him the armor of darkness. I take it away, too. I give him the armor of crystal magic. I take that away, and I put Rebecca in a bikini. I will allow love, that one. <laughs> what do you mean? The bit we kind of skipped over, though, is uh, Rebecca, when they're mentioning using cheats, goes like, excuse me, I stream games online. I cannot be <laughs> yes! caught dead cheating. You know what that would do? Uh, not only would it be bad for my views, it's a matter of principle. I am a gamer, not a cheater. I may not be a very good gamer, <laughs> but I am a gamer, and my pride says I can't cheat. And then there's Shiki, who's like, eh, I'll cheat that. <laughs> Look, That's if fine. it wasn't for uh, Zhao Mei later in this reading, Rebecca, that would make Rebecca even more of a best girl. <laughs> but yeah, this this fight is literally just uh, flip the page. Another crazy thing happens like mm-hmm. uh, the it, first half, at least. Yeah. And it keeps up until Jamalov says, screw it. I'm hitting the delete button. Uh, he start. He hit the delete button. This entire area will self-destruct in five minutes. Ah, uh, well, yes, I- he. He activated the final code, the code that is only activated when everything is going to be destroyed. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) That's not how that works, but cool. Frieza just shot the core of the planet. I I love how the explanation does not even match what happens. It's like Frieza shot the core of the planet. But when you kill Frieza, it stops him from having shot the core of the planet. (laughs) (laughs) They do be like that. Anyway, Shiki beats the bad guy. My favorite part is uh, Jamov says, I still have maxed out stats. Yes. Well, you see, uh, the cool thing about this MMO is that the stats actually don't matter so long as you're stronger in real life than you would be in the video game you have your abilities from real life and uh shiki is yoked so uh while you have 999 defense he's got roughly 2500 attack power so uh get bent 
I'm just like, well, hold on. If it, if you have a max amount, you can't go over that max. That's what makes it a max. And I'm just like, this wasn't written for me. <laughs> <laughs> Matt questions in the manga again. Oh, oh no. What what really burned my bridges here was uh, people just shouting programming at each other and, and just doing magic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, day saved. Boss defeated. He logged out before he could be killed. Everyone is happy. Uh, we log out of the video. No, that's happy. We log out of the video game, uh, including Hermit. She also logs out and she's like, I totally just wanted to spend some time out of the game. I, I'm not awakening to friendship or anything. Oh, I haven't used this body in like five years. Oh, I'm falling. And uh, she runs off to uh, Sulk in the dress in factory. The, uh, mm-hmm. in the dress oh, factory. Up. When did the thing with Homer happen? Oh, right. Yeah. That's during the fight with uh, Jamilov. When Jamilov shows up the second time, it's with uh, the fake Homura. And the real Homura is like, I am not the doing that. The real Homura appears out of nowhere going like, that wasn't me. And I'm like, oh, okay. That I- wasn't me. I was captured when I first logged in. Someone has been in my place this entire time. Okay. There's also there's also the bit of uh, I would never pick a male avatar, even though I seriously consider oh, it. I didn't even say that <laughs> anyway, I'll, I will chase down this imposter. You defeat the boss. And uh, uh, oh, yes, we do have the moment of Homura chasing the imposter who uh, reveals herself uh, to be Amira, Amira shape shifting spy for the GIA. And I'm just <laughs> like, I. I already didn't care about this subplot, and now you're throwing this at me. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's something. <laughs> it 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 is plot hooks for later because it ultimately ties a bunch of things together in a in a vignette that happens at the end of a chapter. Because like, uh, the informant that Amira was talking to when she was disguised as Homura is actually like. It it is for one an actual informant for uh, Amira, and also actually knows Homura. Also secretly yeah. spying on Elsie Crimson. Uh huh. Because and he's is a part going of to Elsie. Kill her. He's a part of Elsie Crimson's crew. He got himself hired onto her crew as a double agent. And also, Drac and Joe is working with the Guildmaster of the Adventurers Guild on Blue Garden. It's a very tangled web. There's a whole bunch of like espionage going on underneath the surface that I'm just like, cool, buddy. I I was not prepared for this in Eden Zero, so I'm going to kind of just coast (laughs) over it until it matters. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will say that that's sort of my take well, on it I as well. I appreciate it. I am of a similar opinion of I'm sure this will be really pog once it actually means something. I was very confused. And then I read the uh, author's notes at the end of the volume and it was just like, hey, I originally planned it to be that dude from um, Blue uh, Blue Garden. But then I decided, nah, I'll make a new character because that sounds more fun. And I'm like, that's honestly what feels like happened here. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, Jamalov defeated everybody out of the VR MMO. All the human characters are uh, very sweaty in their nerve suits as the and a whole panel is spent on that. Just everybody being like, man, I'm boiling in this skin tight suit. It's like, oh, okay, (laughs) okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're not supposed to be in those overnight. (laughs) 
they were in there for three days. Anyway, so uh, yeah, victory achieved. Uh, n- another shining star. Uh, get. Uh, we'll work on her problems. And uh, oh my God, Jamalov is back. This is where we get the uh, get the real Jamalov. The hacker uh, spider and uh, the gross neckbeard hacker spider too. Is <laughs> whereas Jamalov yeah. is like angular all over. This dude is round in a skinny way, but like he's got like some scruff. And he's got those nerd glasses and he hacks the screens just like, oh. I'm destroying your entire place, nerds. I've I've turned off all of the like safety inhibitors and so your ship is overloading. It will explode. <laughs> and you can like see in the background of his webcam the like the figmas that he has of anime girls in their underwear and we actually get a shot of his ship at one point, which has an anime girl on the uh, on the fuselage. <laughs> yeah, and Eden Zero does not do subtle villains. Let's yeah. say it's like no, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, his boss is named Draken Joe. I think that had been established. <laughs> Interspersed with spiders cackling, it's like we uh, can't we like put up the Eden Zero's like uh, defenses to get out this hacker no the only one who has access to that or, or is good enough with the with the computers to do that is hermit hermit do something you guys can literally just evacuate like shut up leave me alone I wanna i wanna be sad about my backstory guys mm-hmm. Her, hermit everyone is gonna die no <laughs> Uh, and we are interspersed with uh, Hermit's actual backstory, which it admittedly is very sadistic, as uh, Jaume promised. The thing I couldn't help but notice is uh, the instant like, because of the Jaume warning, I'm like, Jamalov is sadistic, pretty evil is pretty evil, but we haven't really gotten to the sadistic yet. And I see the the thing that is supposed to be a device to provide ether power to uh, a planet of retired robots. And that's a cannon. I know where this is going. (laughs) We tied a bus full of puppies to the railroad track. Also, I'm a Nazi scientist like Mm -hmm. this. There is laying it on thick and then there's just eating peanut butter. Yeah, this was just eating peanut butter for me. The descriptor that kept coming to mind for me throughout this entire thing is canned. And I kind of hate to say it because it is honestly kind of harrowing, but it's also it's the most I was just pretending to be your friend so that I could commit this act of extreme robot racism. It's it's like, I don't understand. It's they killed a bunch of robots that were on their own robot planet doing nothing but breaking. Like it's we couldn't allow those filthy bot pieces of junk to live. We had to destroy them. But now what do but now, uh, Dr. Oh. Mengele, what do we do with this uh, last robot here who helped us calibrate this cannon that we then intentionally miscalibrated? Ah, well, obviously we will take her apart piece by piece over years of excruciating torture. Okay. I'm going to defend this because I thought that this was really well done. Mm -hmm. And specifically the thing that made it work for me is that this is a very, very overtly entirely from Hermit's perspective. I I was going to say that's the only way it makes sense for me. We don't know any of the rest of what was going on with these people. Like, they're obviously cartoonishly evil, but this is also Hermit's perspective. She's looking back on her Mm -hmm. own trauma. 
And not to say that there may have been some justification for this. They're obviously evil and they're meant to be read that way. But like the fact that we don't know why they couldn't have just let the robots live doesn't really matter because that's not what the scene exists. Mm -hmm. The scene exists to illustrate how Hermit got to where she was. I, I will say it did a good job of that. It, it's why I'm kind of of two minds about this entire backstory, because, again, it felt kind of canned and like I, the whole I was just pretending to be your friend plot. But like it also did an effective job of explaining why Hermit was the way she was. And also, you know, not everybody in this universe is going to be Shiki and Rebecca bot sympathizer. And you also that's not what this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't well I don't I don't want or need the backstory of the robot Nazis, the robot Nazis like that's yeah. sort of my perspective. I, I, I guess my I think I can put into problem, uh, words my problem with this. It spends a lot of time um, like setting up that Hermit has like this deep backstory and like is seriously seriously something went wrong and like she's there moping about it and like that's dedicated like several panels of like, hey, hey, there's a backstory here. Here it is. And then when I finally get it and it it reads like this, like that just kind of I don't come to Eden Zero with a lot of expectations. I feel like it manufactured expectations for me that I'm then like, oh, well, I guess I'm disappointed in this thing. I probably shouldn't have been disappointed in. It just it felt cartoonish in a series that is already very cartoonish. So it's like eh. a bit beyond the pale in that regard. Yeah. It, again, I didn't dislike it. It, it wasn't uh, the best part of this reading to me but i didn't like i didn't dislike it i didn't hate it it was it was man th this guy is just the worst ain't he i i'll i'll go full on i i disliked it like i i felt like i it was a part i had to force myself to continue reading through i kind of considered skipping to the end of it because i'm like i know what's going to happen mm. and i have to read all of it like and actually, in all honesty, here's the gambit, because that's actually the reason I loved it. I'm watching this knowing that the that the scientist is going to be that absurdly evil. And because it's putting me in Hermit's shoes, I'm dreading for when that finally comes mm -hmm. through and hurts her. And that's why that's why especially her turn after this, the ship is just a ship. You can just leave. But like. That's like abandoning the the family that Shiki has built up and he's unwilling to do that. His earnestness, you know, there is because like because like the the reason why it, it goes on for so long is because how could how could Hermit possibly trust someone so obviously evil? Well, because it took this long to build up that trust in her. She wasn't, you know, she didn't just immediately open herself up. And he wasn't obviously um, evil overnight. Uh, yeah particularly Shiki and Rebecca, but all of them, you know, showing that people are still worth trusting, you know, her, the, the, the panel of her, uh, you know, finally, you know, coming out of her stupor was uh, pretty no, powerful I, to me because of I the like all the hermit stuff outside of this backstory is, I guess I should clarify. I, mm -hmm. I felt like this, yeah, the backstory yeah. was a trudge to read through it. I guess it's just a personal matter of taste. It felt like overly saccharine oh, yeah. at points. Oh, yeah. Like when we, when we got to the point where they show the back rub coupon book on the ground of rubble after like it's revealed how evil everyone is like, okay, come on. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's the level of like, you yeah, find think... a picture of the wife and children in the guy you just murdered. Like it's, <laughs> it's like for that to be seriously in a work of fiction. I'm like, okay, come on. 
I really liked that it actually wasn't, you know, Shiki's unending positivity that brought Hermit out of the funk. I mean, it it kind of was, but it it was in part, but not entirely. Uh, Rebecca, who went up to Hermit and said, "Look, I don't, uh, I didn't witness this backstory flashback. I don't know what the humans did to you. It's it was obviously something terrible, but." Do you see Shiki over there, Ziggy's grandson, the the human who was raised by the bot that you once served? His entire family of bots turned against him. They tried to kill him, and he still loves Happy and Pino as his friends and Witch and Sister. And even the bots mm-hmm. who tried to kill him, he still loves mm-hmm. them too. He still loves and trusts bots despite what happened to him and i know that you have a lot to work through could you give it a shot and the panel of hermit breaking down crying <laughs> was at pretty powerful yeah after that yeah, yeah her, hermit crying is always pretty emotional mm-hmm. uh, she she, one, she is a whoopie yeah well one one thing i just <laughs> want to bring up about the backstory is that i actually enjoyed reading mostly because i was mocking it i'm gonna be fully honest uh was when the government comes in with their like military force and breaks everyone out of the containment cells mm-hmm. they find um hermit in there and she just kind of catatonically walks out and one of the guys is like we should help her. and his partner puts his hand on like no look she's too far gone she's just got to find her own place to die and i'm like who the f*** says that? <laughs> <laughs> you can't be here to help them! Yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, that... Yeah, yeah. Like, you had to justify why she was waiting on a cliff and... It's, why she it's was like, alone, yeah. Well, no! Hold on, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that the authorities came to destroy Dr. Robot Nazi, but... <laughs> That one guy kind of, it's not like when they liberated the concentration camps, they were just like, you're free to go now. Like, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, revitalized again with the power of friendship, uh, Hermit goes and activates the uh, the digital defenses of the Eden Zero. <laughs> and then in my favorite moment, <laughs> where it's like um, Spider realizes that the, that the hacking has been turned back on him and his own systems are being breached and over the over the communications hermit reads out his name and address and ip address and i'm just like holy shit she doxed this man it's real gamer cred and then (laughs) this guy killed me in this video game so i read his full address out over voice chat and i got banned (laughs) uh and then there's the moment of and uh where hermit uh looks into the camera and oh and because i know where you are that means you're in range of our long-range weapons and then they shoot off some fireworks to scare him uh, i do love because he he thinks he's about to be shot out of the shot into oblivion with the long-range cannon and i'm like yes please turn this turn this motherfucker into space dust (laughs) 
they set off the fireworks and it scares the piss out of him quite literally because he falls on his back with wet trousers and uh the reason why i brought that up is because i think the only thing that was better than uh uh hermit's uh shell getting cracked is um i believe she was talking to weiss when she mentioned this which mentions to somebody that hermit has a beautiful smile and there's a like a full page spread Mm -hmm. of absolutely carefree and genuine smile Something that Eden Zero is really good at is drawing those, and uh, it was really pretty. But yeah, that is Spider defeated. Uh, We do have a a scene where uh, Spider decides to go and run off to Big Brother again. Pretty long scene. Like, for real this time. Because we need to prove that Spider is just a trash human being. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the entire time he's just like, well, I'm going to get Drac and Joe to kill all of them. And then this woman here mm-hmm. who's so with her super long legs, it doesn't even look like she can fit through the door with how tall she is. Oh, she, I'm going to have. She got them. Ba- she got them bayonetta legs. <laughs> I, I assume she just had really long legs and was squatting. <laughs> but uh well, no, you can you can see you can see her unstretching her leg in the wrong way. And it's so. like if you needed more reasons to hate Spider, he at one point reflexively begins molesting her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which uh, don't, don't. I I think the worst part is when he goes, "I'll get Drac and Joe to give me her one day." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That too. I mean, that does that does immediately get preceded by um, him interrupting uh, Drac and Joe doing his lone torturing shark thing, a debtor, which. Uh, so, you know, establishing yeah, I mean, if you want people to pay you back, you got to give them some motivation <laughs> by putting it by shoving a glass bottle in their jaw, using your alchemy ether gear to turn it into like a super dense metal and then breaking it with a kick to shatter all their teeth. I, I love the scene where Spider comes in on this and just starts shouting because he's Spider and immediately gets shut up because Drac and Joe just goes, whatever you're here, will that give me more money than what I'm doing right now? And he's just like, oh, well, it's kind of just a petty revenge thing. So I guess not. I'll shut up. <laughs> also, who are you? It's me, Spider. I, I fixed your computer and you said that we're blood brothers. Did I really say that? Secretary, I don't believe you did, sir. <laughs> I love the secretary so much. <laughs> I, I love the secretary. The secretary's pretty Sec- great. Dude's like a thug, but is trying to be CEO of a company. So at one point while talking to the debtor, he's just like, I could, hey, if you're not going to pay me back, uh, I can always sell you to a coal mine. Or th- And there's this ugly pig lady who wants to have a human pet. And then the robot has to climb and it's like, uh, excuse me, sir, that is actually uh, mildly offensive to the the species of porcine five it's like the lovely species of porcine five woman <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's such a great i love that whole moment he has a secretary who fact tracks him on like being pc <laughs> <laughs> look it's good for business mm-hmm. it makes him more money <laughs> like like most businesses they're only pc exactly. when it makes the money jack and joe has spider killed good riddance oh yeah, we, we basically get the inevitable ending of, uh, so you dropped my name and then lost. Why did you think coming to me was oh, a well, good idea? Entire, my entire <laughs> business is built on my reputation, and you decided to sully that? Ah, well, you see, we could go and d- d- destroy the crew of the Eden Zero, and then you'd have this really cool ship and kill him. I, I'm sorry, what? Why did that cowboy just move his hand near his holster? Oh, yeah, he's so fast, you don't even realize you've been shot yet. I, 
I love how little this scene makes sense because, like, that uh, what? How did the gun do it, the do the yeah. katana thing? Yeah, it's the samurai movie katana thing of sheathed sword, and then man falls over like a second later, but with a bullet. <laughs> With a revolver? He has like a 45 second conversation after that point, which like, then the bullet It's like the being fast part has nothing to do with the person beyond like the very beginning. It's entirely the bullet. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's so ridiculous. But yeah, then, then Dragon Joe is immediately like, uh, oh yeah, we're totally going to get revenge because I have to do that for my reputation. I just needed to kill mm -hmm. the chaff first. Also, it's probably a good source of money because... In case you haven't guessed by yet, looking directly at the camera, I love money so goddamn <laughs> much. It is the one true power in the cosmos. It's one of those cases where it's like at the end of our previous reading, we just get this single panel of just his name, Draken Joe, the Dark Alchemist, and it's just like this stinger at the end, and we're like, this is the most extra ever in in the series and that's a high bar and then he's only gotten more so which i, I love, love. Joe so much but uh since we get to the end of the arc we get my favorite part where uh we get Zhao Mei popping in going like hey your narrator here so wasn't that really sadistic you didn't think that was sadistic well i guess different strokes for different folks okay uh, and i'm just like okay <laughs> because <laughs> uh, if the author's comments at the end of this didn't confirm uh he uh he totally writes as he's going <laughs> like oh yeah i i got that impression that was sort of the reason why the uh i didn't really get fooled by the N npc's uh uh laughter at the end of every sentence because i got the impression that like I mean, Eden Zero has some really good, hard-hitting emotional scenes, so I'm. It, it's one of those ones where it's like, this feels like it's a setup for uh, an arc that he hasn't fully figured out yet, and he's just kind of yeah, edging his Eden, bets. Eden Zero, <laughs> after reading that author things, I'm looking back at it, and I'm like, he really just throws, like, a handful of setups onto the ground, and then the real, like enjoyment of watching the arc is figuring out which ones he's actually going to pick up on and which ones he's going to pretend didn't happen <laughs> it's like a choose your own adventure story except, except only someone one else choice. is choosing for you oh <laughs> uh, but uh, Zhao uh Mei is just like oh hold on well i can't do the full narrator thing looks like i've got company even i get guessed disappear I can't say I predicted this happening, but I'm like, oh, I really, really hope that the time deity they're going to is Zhao Mei. I, I didn't pick up on that because I'm I, I had already bought into the fact when Zhao Mei appears, she's going to do like mystic bullshit that they're just going to like. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't predict it. I'm just like, I hope that's where this when is she going. Said, I, yeah, I wouldn't have. When, when she said I've got guests, I'm like, cool. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> It could easily just be, I don't have that, enough. That yeah. could have been like, nothing. It could just easily yeah. be, I didn't have enough content to fill out two pages of her talking. So I'm just going to have her talk for one page and then leave for no reason. Oh, but anyway, uh, after um, Spider gets killed off screen, uh, they're trying to figure out uh, where. Yeah, they, they have three of the four shining stars now. They just have to find the last one. Unfortunately, Homura was the only one with a lead, and her lead was Witch had been sighted at Blue Garden. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have Witch right here who has no idea where Valkyrie is. Unfortunately. So we need to find ourselves a new source of information. 
Well, I hear there's a planet where time stands still and there's a legendary fortune teller there. Yeah, we should go there. <laughs> and um, my favorite thing, I'm just going to straight up say this is my favorite thing. The whole Digitalis arc, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I said my piece about uh, Hermit's backstory and like I was still enjoying the manga. This didn't it didn't nothing like soured for me or anything. But I'm like, you know, I, I enjoyed this. Uh, I, I'm remembering why I had a fun time last time. This was like, oh, <laughs> this made me go. Oh, <laughs> this is activating my all my almonds right now because um, Zhao Mei, our uh, omniscient space lady, uh, she reappears to say that uh are, you know, she she says, and so the crew of the Eden Zero goes to the planet Midoran to find the, <laughs> the legendary fortune teller. Sorry, sorry, it's it's just really funny to me. I, what what was that? Oh, a knock at my door. It seems I have visitors. Oh yes, even I get guests sometimes. Well, I'll see you soon. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and then we. We basically get the three possible reactions. That's probably both. Uh, uh, where is this going? And I hope this is going where mm-hmm. I think it is. Because <laughs> we then cut to uh, the crew landing on the planet and approaching the big door. We get we get time shenanigans again because they talk about how the planet is like stuck in time or whatever and like they're talking about how that doesn't actually make any logical so what do all the clouds and rivers not move or anything well we showed up and all the clouds and rivers are moving so i don't know what it means oh it means that uh no matter how much time you spend here when you leave the planet again it will be uh the exact time you first arrived ah thank you for that xiaomei wait xiaomei Because they open the door of the one building and step into an empty starry sky where there's the narrator of the story standing right there greeting them. And I popped off so hard when I when I turned that page. I was like, holy shit, that's so cool. I, I, I love weird meta stuff like that. The, the narrator is just a the character. The narrator casually. is an actual character in the in the universe diegetically. It's so cool. <laughs> and she says, "Ah, yes, I know exactly why you've all come here, Homura. You're looking for your mentor, right? I'm looking for my mentor. How did you know my name? Oh, I know everything. Both sides of time are revealed to me. So you'll tell us where Valkyrie is, right? Oh, well, no. First, you have to uh, pay the price." What's the price? Well, hmm. For this piece of information, it's not exactly like you could use it for something evil. I'd say it's a level 10. And this is the thing that I freaking love about her. She does that whole like little monologue that I just quoted. That probably means absolutely nothing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was made up on the spot. (laughs) She was making that up on the spot to play the to play to the part and screw at them and i love it well i was thinking it was made up on the spot by the author that's that's where i feel (laughs) though i do kind of like the idea that she was just you know talking Mm -hmm. out of her ass too like in universe that that's very in character for her because uh there are 
two specific limitations on her abilities and we find out the first one uh as they fall mm-hmm. through the floor and she almost says it like it's a self-imposed limitation yeah she locks herself away from this knowledge so that she can be surprised by things mm-hmm. uh both sides of time are revealed to her she has perfect knowledge of the past and she knows all possible traces of the future so how does one be surprised like this well she refuses to let herself know the outcome of battles and her personality completely changes (laughs) the characters even point out that her Her, personality personality becomes zeus from record of ragnarok she is like (laughs) i love the tournament arc (laughs) she starts drooling and she's like oh the delicious spread of combat the spray of sweat and blood oh it's so exciting she she is full on a hogao like the entire time mm-hmm. like hard eyes and drooling yeah constantly it's yeah. a surprise she's my favorite character <laughs> no not really i mean she is super cute i mean i'm not like not that you have bad taste it's just Look, yeah that weird that makes medicine, sense. weird time knowledge <laughs> unnecessarily horny about combat she's perfect <laughs> <laughs> But is she a Russian assassin? Mm, you knew I be. had to. You don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> there might be a timeline where that happens. Given her name, probably not. But <laughs> anyway, the the point being, this is a pretty funny bit. She builds up like, all right, so we're going to have a real, a real knockdown drag out battle here. Shiki, you are going to fight my champion, the unstoppable Metal Bogey who like is dabbing in the middle of the field he's this big robot with like a with a mustache it's a solid steel like like with no joints just pure metal bodybuilder dude and like the speedo with the handlebar mustache his species has metal skin Mm -hmm. like unbreakable unbeatable permanently strong i mean this is setting up like it's gonna be a tournament arc it's really not Uh, and i love it Uh, (laughs) cheeky is like uh spending like several pages like uh stripping uh down to like taking his shirt off and warming up and they they have this really cool uh face-off panel of like shirtless shiki in a battle pose and metal bogey like show me a good fight young man before they actually went down to the planet they had a little bit of a uh let's do a makeover scene uh because we's being sleazy uh his one condition for letting the very suspicious homura onto the crew was that uh he get he got mm-hmm. to pick her outfit so like they all decided to get a little bit of a redesign as uh, you know like well, well you know this will this will totally be great for the merch we're going to sell i mean it's obvious what it's doing and i'm not gonna complain they all look great Shiki really wanted all of the girls into a very, very specific maid outfit. Sheer maid outfit. They're all like, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not even that skimpy. It's like a battle maid outfit. It's like Shiki just well, knows he, what he likes. There's the nothing wrong with sheer, that. So <laughs> you can yeah, see that's through true. it. <laughs> that's why Rebecca's straight up no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she does go with the maid themed ensemble, Cat- though. Rebecca so likes maids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, for all that buildup, uh, Shiki uses his uh, Magimek Attack Gravity Fest for a uh, super heavy punch that knocks Metal Bogey down. <laughs> and Zhao Mei is like, perfect. There's actually four rounds to this. 
What? Oh, she totally. You didn't say that. She totally made that up on the spot. She was like, I need more. Oh, yeah. More combat. There's even a there's even a bit where it's like her uh, we get some internal dialogue of her being like, I was pretty sure Shiki would win, but that was really cool. <laughs> uh, congratulations, you won the first round. First round? First we've heard of it. <laughs> and it's at that point where she's like, OK, now on to the second round. And Weiss very intelligently asks, how many rounds is it? Because he knows full well what she's doing at this point. <laughs> Oh, there's, oh, there's going to be four rounds, and uh, we've already won the first. Yeah, well, Shiki's the main character. He can win basically anything. Rebecca, you're up next. Okay. The fights have to be one-on-one. Well, happy is kind of my guns. Is that allowed? I'll allow it. I, lo- I love how that's like a reasonable thing. But then when Weiss pulls the exact same thing, I'm like, can I also use a weapon? She's like, I don't care. Fight. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca goes into the ring with Happy and she's up against uh, Flanker Yochi, a flea weight boxer who has guns in his boxing gloves. He's another (laughs) B-cuber. It sets up like it's going to be this intense fight of like he's a boxer, but he's also got guns in his boxing gloves. And he's also got this. Aha, I've got a shield that uh, protects me from ether bullets. Your happy guns are useless. Also, my bullets have acid in them that dissolves clothing. Inevitably. Inevitably. Of the three joke fights, this is the closest one to actually like being a Mm -hmm. real fight. And I actually kind of like this one as a nice little... uh, Filler for Rebecca having something to do. This is the only fight that doesn't end in one hit, basically. Yeah. And also, I love it. The characters on the sidelines go like, I don't think I've ever seen Rebecca actually fight. And I'm like, same. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, Shiki steals her thunder. But it's great because she's like, wait, that shield's immune to ether bullets, huh? Yes, you can't shoot me at all. What will you do now? All right, I'm going to jump kick you. What? What? (laughs) No, don't kick me with your bare feet. We're all barefoot here. It's kind of weird, but we also acknowledged it was a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that was uh, right after the uh, the uh, makeover, the on the door, it said, please remove all foot when they walk inside and like uh, for when they go into the actual like main place that Zhao Mei was in. uh we had already seen this the the weird starry void seems to like have like a like a like a really thin veil of water below whatever there you know she was actually standing on and they basically just you know it's it, it's sort of like a water walking thing that they just go through to get into the arena so rebecca wins via drop kick it's like okay <laughs> next up is next up is Wee's versus uh, Highway Enna. Can I bring a weapon? Sure, Pino, come with me. You're not going to remake me into a gun, are you? No, that guy is obviously using ether gear to be really fast. Do your EMP. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she does her EMP and his ether gear stops working and he face plants. And then Weeze and then Weebs curb stomps his face. <laughs> <laughs> Weez just overtly cheating because why would he put effort into things? I love it. And Jaume's like, okay, that's enough. It's time for the actual fight. Homura, you're up next. Okay, who's my opponent? An, a perfect duplicate of Valkyrie. <laughs> what, what do you mean you have a perfect duplicate of my teacher? I, I mean, both sides of time are revealed to me. I have a perfect duplicate of your teacher. Fight her already. No, I, I think you've got some explanation that's needed here. No, fight now. Oh, okay. What follows? Uh, we, we did just kind of blaze through all the joke fights because they're joke fights, but this 
They're joke This fights. is the actual battle of this little tournament arc. And it, it's pretty interesting because um, the the duplicate Valkyrie is constantly saying, man, if I was actually my original, I would be so disappointed in how little you've grown since we last met. <laughs> Seriously, you have the exact same weakness you had when we were training. You keep not paying attention to your pivot foot. I keep tripping you. What are you doing? What are you, locked in a flashback of when you were a little girl and how my actual version saved you? What a weakling. <laughs> the, the real me would be so disappointed in you. Yeah, we. Uh, this is also the first time we uh, see Homura in like a full length fight against uh, someone she just doesn't just completely annihilate too. So finally mm -hmm. getting uh, to see her fight was pretty great. Oh, yeah. Um it it is uh, a very good fight. Uh, I was blazing Metal Gear Rising music during the entire <laughs> of course the entire reading of it. But uh, Homura is you know trying to get in on the duplicate Valkyrie and hit her with a sword, uh, and it keeps not working. She's not paying attention to the pivot foot. She keeps getting tripped up, and Homura has a flashback to her childhood when I think she just lived on a planet that was only the Sengoku Jedi. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that fits for this series honestly mm -hmm. yeah at, at the very least it, it is a planet that is very japanese and very warring states and uh little which fits her aesthetic yeah, little little baby homura was about to be uh murdered and or sold into slavery by some by some goons before valkyrie cuts them down and she says all right girl what's your name oh you don't talk huh all right well uh where are your parents Shake said, eh, probably dead. Well, if you're not going to tell me anything, I'm just going to go uh, keep cleaning up this mess. Good luck out there. Tiny Homura summons up all her courage and introduces herself. And Valkyrie says, eh, see, there you go. You have to be able to use your voice. Words will give you strength. Now, come on. I'm going to teach you to be a swordswoman. I love that. I love that panel so much. Of like, It's really Homura. good. A little Homer actually speaking up for herself and you get the point of Valkyrie going like that's what she was waiting for was like, hey, I can just rescue you and save you from whatever. But like if you want something, you need to say it because mm -hmm. you are making mm -hmm. it real when you say it. and I love how that then explains her little vocal tick of always saying I was going to say mm -hmm. <laughs> making making her cute little uh, nothing vocal tick actually have emotional stakes attached to it. God damn it, Eden Zero, stop <laughs> it already. I love this because emboldened by the flashback to the wisdom and kindness of her mentor. Because a big part of the reason why Homura was having trouble was because she was so angry that this fake Valkyrie dare took on her beloved teacher's mm -hmm. visage. You know, whatever, you know, whatever was beneath that illusion didn't deserve to mm -hmm. wear that face. And th this is a fun point of it's not explicitly said in the text so this can be read as subtext um i like to think that she was allowing herself to keep falling for the the pivot foot uh flaw and keep getting tripped up so that she would condition the duplicate valkyrie into always going for that so that when she finally shored mm -hmm. up that defense the the val the uh, duplicate wasn't ready for it would, it. it would be a one shot mm -hmm. yeah it would it would leave it, her completely open. It's literally I read that conditioning too. your opponent in a fighting game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Homura busts out her super move and lands a uh, telling blow and wins the fight. And she says, if you were actually Valkyrie, that never would have worked. The uh, illusion dissipates and it's 
Just a training robot. I, yep, I, <laughs> that definitely wouldn't have worked. I love the exposition worked. dump from Michelle May right here. Like, yeah, obviously I only had a cheap training robot. So if you actually had the real Valkyrie, she'd actually be super strong, right? Mm. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> the Demon King's four shining stars are co are uh, wholly unique bots. Not even I could duplicate them. So I just took uh, what data I could get for this. So is is Valkyrie, she's the combat droid of the four sisters because they've got the mm -hmm. healing one. They've got the mechanic. They've got the the tank cyber uh, technology. Yeah, yeah, it's it's they have, and uh, which is the hardware sister is healing organic things, which technically the ship is when all four of them are there. Yeah, that's that's very subtly dropped uh, hermit, the software of the ship. And then, you know, Valkyrie is, you know, I'm going to assume weapon stuff. system. Like she plugs into the ship and then probably she sword cuts it, you with it's kind of subtle. But like during uh, Spider's attack, when the Eden Zero is blowing up from having all its safety systems turned off, Weiss turns to uh, sister and says, can't you just use your uh, healing powers to fix this? No, it only works on living things. And that includes living machines. And without all four of the shining stars here, the Eden Zero isn't alive yet. And that's just breezed past. But like, that's huge, isn't it? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it depends what they mean by it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very much in line with the like general aesthetic. It's somewhat similar to the whole there are spies in the evil pirate crews. Uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll pay more attention to that when it inevitably comes it's up a, later. It kind of hit on the same note that um, I think we skipped over. Hermit does a tour of the Eden Zero in one of the little like interstitial mm -hmm. bits mm -hmm. where she says, like, I can't show you everything because I can't let the open public know what the secrets are. The framing device of this was Rebecca was doing a B-Cuber video of of a tour of the ship and Hermit's like, ah, but we can't show the public everything. Here's the guided mm -hmm. tour. It's just like an excuse to show a map of the ship. And my yeah, favorite yeah. part is they've got big secret vault. No one is allowed in. And then Happy goes, the code is 0137. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is why uh, Hermit didn't want uh, Rebecca and Happy to bake anything uh, showing the proprietary parts of the ship. <laughs> yeah, that. That's why in my brain, I can have just locked it away. I'm like, yeah, the Eden Zero's got some magic going on. Everyone seems to think that. Draken Joe thinks that. Like, mm -hmm. we'll find out. I'm not really waiting with bated breath because it's the same kind of vibe I feel with everything in Eden Zero. It's going to be made up when it becomes apparent. So it's not like me mm -hmm. figuring it out ahead of time is going to win me any points. Yeah, so eh. it's one of those cases where it's like it can be fun to try to predict uh, which of the plot threads that have been established is going to be mm -hmm. the one it goes along. But it's not like you it's not like you're uh, you've gotten cleverly duped by not picking the right one. It's multiple choice. Mm -hmm. It's not <laughs> it's not clues and hints of an already thought out. Uh, All sequence. the options are equally valid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is which is kind of the fun of it. Yep. But uh, our heroes won the day. And so Xiaomei uh, continues to be the coolest by taking them back to the starry void and sitting upon her ether gear throne. They went down into the water they were standing on to get to the arena. And then the sandy arena, uh, uh, they splashed through that back into <laughs> And they go down into the place that was uh -huh. above. Like, it's it's totally a, you know, topsy-turvy mm -hmm. cosmic thing. And she says, 
All right. Well, since you passed my test, I will tell you that Valkyrie is on the planet of Sun Jewel, where every precious metal in the cosmos exists on one rock. You know, since that was such a entertaining uh, tournament arc, I'll tell you this. Shiki, your quest to find Mother, she is real. She's the one who gave me my powers as a time oracle. The one condition is that I am not allowed to know her location. She removed it from my mind. I literally don't know where she is, but I want you to find her and make sure that her incredible wish-granting power doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Wait a second. You're saying you met Mother and you were reborn? Eh, reborn, that's a word for it. That's really cool, because me as being Pino, I really want to be a human. I'm not sure if we established that yet, but I oh, really yeah. want to be a human girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that in the in the podcast. I, I was going to I was going to save that for the uh, favorite characters. Bit, uh, okay. in all honesty, but we get some really adorable yeah, scenes. So we Pino. will we will, in fact, get to that. Yeah, that, that was mainly just they all start saying, well, I want to be this other thing. But Pino's the one who wants like a magical thing to happen. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is just like, I want money. I want fame. I want power. Like. Yeah, they're all they're all talking about their dreams and aspirations. And then Pino mentions that she wants yep. to be human. And Jaume says, well, I already know the outcome of your adventure, but I'll be watching it with great interest. Someone actually points out, if you don't know the outcome of battles, doesn't that mean you don't know? Like, couldn't you just look to immediately after the battle to know who won? The classic, uh, if you're going to mess with time shenanigans, please do this. Authors out there. History is mul or the future is multiple mm -hmm. choice. The future is constantly being written. Or you make it incredibly so. static. Like it is a loop that does not change because that's also fun because that's like the interstitial horror of, oh, no, I'm. Well, yeah, yeah, it, I, I guess it depends on the tone, because generally speaking, I am I am of a preference towards uh, history can shift, but you can make some really scary stuff out of uh, like closed mm -hmm. time loops. Um, but Eden Zero is a very happy, fun and bouncy series. Uh, literally, Eden Zero cases. is where a dragon flies around eating thousands of years of time. So maybe <laughs> one of the main characters is <laughs> or one of the other main characters mentor from 50 years in the past. Mm -hmm. Time is a very fluid concept in Eden Zero. And it comes up surprisingly a lot, but... Uh... Uh, Shiki reaffirms his uh, intent to go meet Mother, and the crew blasts off for uh, the planet that Valkyrie is on, and Jaume says, well, wasn't that fun? All right, I'm going to resume being the narrator now. Bon voyage, everyone. And that is where our reading ended. So I'm I'm trying to remember where this happened, but, like, there's a bit with uh, Jaume where, like, she's talking... And she's talking to herself as a chapter ends, and she's just like, ah, uh, yes. And then there's Shiki, mothers, and then it just cuts off her sentence, and you yes. turn the page, and the chapter ends. Like mm -hmm. she, she says, ah, oh, yes, yeah, Shiki's mother, and then she looks, uh, through the mm -hmm. page at the reader. Yeah, Shiki. It, it, she she says something about Shiki, and she says, I would expect nothing less from mothers. Dot dot dot. Chapter yeah. end. I think that's after they I, leave. I just double checked uh, the part Sam was talking about right there, and it's not in that. So I guess it must have happened in the other time. She she gets a lot of scenes in this. Actually, she uh, mm -hmm. narrator pops up a lot, and I'm about it. She's become a more prominent character because she only showed up like once or twice in the first reading section. Look, look. I'm just saying, Demon Slayer, take some notes. Uh, if you're gonna have uh, little uh, meta boxes pop up constantly, make them. A <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> yeah, make your narrator a hot lady, and I'm instantly about it. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll third that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've come to the end of our reading. So, as is classic for shonens, uh, favorite character, favorite fight. I think it's obvious by now that my favorite character is Zhao Mei. She is best girl, and every time she shows up, I'm happy. That is uh, that is the long and short of it for me. Uh, as for favorite fight, it's, I, I think it would have to be. Um, Shiki versus Gemma of round two, because like while it was, you know, the playground slap fight of uh, I, I, I use my everything proof shield while I use my everything plus one sword and like that over and over again, it did ultimately boil down to. I, well, I think the reason that I liked that is because it wasn't actually Shiki doing the fighting. He was a vehicle for yeah. for Hermit. He was the Pokemon. <laughs> he, he was the Pokemon in that case. And I, I found that a really fun subversion of, oh, the the Shona protagonist is incredibly powerful. So, of course, he'll win. That was the uh, answer in the long run. But like to get there, it took another character doing something. And it's that thing with Eden Zero where it's like, yes, Shiki's the main character who wins every fight because he's the Goku. But it the manga always finds a way to weave other characters in in a way that makes it feel like maybe if Shiki wasn't there, it they still would have won. Yeah, Eden, Eden Zero does a really good job of even though Shiki is like so much in, more insanely powerful than everyone. Like, I don't get the problem I occasionally get in Dragon Ball where I'm like, well, why are these people friends? Like, I, I genuinely yeah. believe they're all on this mission together and they're all playing an equal part part. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a much stronger sense of camaraderie here. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, Matt, what about a favorite character, favorite fight for you? Um, so I think in the reading, like in this section of the reading, obviously, uh, I'm going to go with a bit of an oddball pick, but I'm going to go with Weiss because yeah. I just loved him in Digitalis because he actively <laughs> did not want to be there and was just fucking around. Yes, he, he was completely fine with derailing things because he just didn't care. When he had to repeatedly say, like, you'll get banned from the game, he's like, I literally don't care. We didn't know this game existed 30 minutes ago. Come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I'm banned. Whatever. Like, cool. But um, so at the end, at the end, uh, uh, Hermit did purposely uh, cause the ban to go through whilst Weiss was in the middle of uh, saying logging. something cool, yeah, which yeah. was pretty funny. Oh, here's the thing. I thought he had already said the cool thing and what he was going to say was going to ruin it. So I think that's better. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that was if I remember correctly, it's something like you always have a heart, but I always look for and then it cut off like I've no one. Weiss is like, I always look for the booty. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I assume Weiss was going to say. But like he, he was mad that he didn't get to finish, but it was probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess if I had to pick a favorite fight, uh, I do Weiss's fight in the tournament arc just because I really appreciated how he's also just done with it mm -hmm. and <laughs> cheats and just curb stomps the guy. But I guess like as a broader statement, I'm going to say I, I didn't really feel like any of the fights in this were fights like they didn't feel like that to me and like a shonen. Mm, yeah, uh, I guess because I just didn't feel like any of them had stakes like even even against um Jovalov, like even even when he was curb stomping them, like he didn't feel like a threat. And I'm not sure why. Like, it was kind of weird. 
I, because I think I think the reason for that is, and this is actually something that I noticed in the first section as well. The draw of this isn't the actual fights; mm-hmm. they're basically just uh, window dressing for funny comedy beats yeah. and shockingly uh, earnest emotional gut punches. So they're really there to frame everything else. Yeah. And they're very much not the focus. Yeah. Like in the first section, there were some f- like actual fights. I think in this section that I, I really can't feel like any of that's why I picked a joke fight for mine. Like even which is fair because that was really yeah, funny. Even Homura's fight like it. It was mostly just set dressing for the flashback, kind of. But I, I guess um, in all fairness, a lot of shonen fights are just set dressing for conversation, aren't they? Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I mean, like, Eden Zero is a very distilled story to its benefit. Yeah. And Jacob, favorite character, favorite fight? Okay, so favorite character is really easy for me this time, despite the fact that everybody was great. It it is absolutely Pino. Pino is so freaking adorable. Mm -hmm. So, like, you get the, you get they go dive into Digitalis, and then Pino is like, look, I'm human now, I'm adorable. And I'm like, wow, I want to hug you so badly. You're human and you're adorable. And then there's a uh, there's a scene where she looks at like like she's just finished talking with an NPC looking for uh, Hermit and she looks into the mirror and she sees herself and just smiles. And like there's just something so unbelievably wholesome about it because like we we did totally gloss over it. But, you know, there's there's a whole uh, conversation that they have about, um, you know, like when you consider what Pino's gone through, like. She just wants to she just wants to experience being human, you know, that, you know, she was it was like that in uh, Digitalis and, and that's what she's decided her goal is. And everybody being like, well, that's impossible. Who cares? Let's get it done for you. And like everybody is just so on board with it. And like so freaking wholesome, man. Mm-hmm. Like Homero was great again, but like. I just couldn't stop loving Pino. And that's kind of the great thing about this series. You know, the thesis statement that everybody has a heart, it plays positively into uh, Pino's goal because it's like, you know, you could read that as, uh, I mean, you're already a sentient creature. You're a butt. You're, you're, you're perfect the way you are. No, it can be, she has a heart. Therefore it doesn't matter what form she takes. She's still Pino mm-hmm. and she's, va- and she is valuable for being that unique individual. She deserves the beating heart that she wants because she has a metaphorical mm-hmm. heart. And so Shiki's determination that despite the impossibility of this, he's going to help her achieve that dream. It feels it's very empowering. It's so wholesome. It's very wholesome. <laughs> you know, you want a um, human heart? I can get you one. Wait, no, no, Shiki, no. Fran, Fran, get out of this. This isn't your manga. <laughs> well, I was going to say that Chainsaw Man crossover was happening, but. Uh... I want your heart, Denji. <laughs> <laughs> Denji's like, yeah, I don't. I mean, it worked out well for me, but I'm not sure you want to go that route. But yeah, um, <laughs> your favorite fight, Jake. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, I actually, as much as it was absolutely window dressing for the. Uh, uh, for Homero's flashback, I did really like the fight scene um, mm-hmm. between her and the uh, the fake Valkyrie. But the one that I actually enjoyed the most was just because it, it, it's it's the rare case where um, Eden Zero uh, had an idea and carried it through and it didn't feel quite like it was being written by the seat of its pants was the 
not the um, schoolyard one-upsmanship portion of the Jamilov uh, round two, but the very ending of it where Hermit was sort of like revealing that like uh, you uh, based your abilities on the game stats, which have a hard cap. Real life doesn't have a hard cap. And again, it's like they're digitized, so they should be set to whatever the game's hard cap is, but whatever it was a fun moment if you extrapolate shiki's actual power into the game world his attack power is closer to 2500 and the thing that i enjoyed was um uh there's a page turn after she explains the numbers and i did the math and then i turned the page and uh <laughs> and i'm like that would mean that he would uh have him down to like a fraction of hp after 21 hits so he needs 22 hits if all of these stats go through i turned the page which means that you will lose in 22 hits. <laughs> I just enjoyed that. Like, that was a very personal reaction thing, but I just enjoyed the fact that it's like, <laughs> they did the math. I know, I really appreciate that the manga did the math for once. Like, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed that moment a lot. And just, it just sort of like the everything falling into place. It's like, you're cheating, but here's the limits of cheats. I don't know. And it, maybe I get a little bit of a Yu-Gi-Oh vibe from that, too, to some extent, because, you know, you think that you have the game figured out, but here's the way it really works. Mm. And using that to beat a cheater. I liked that. Yeah. Look, I've watched enough of uh, Ouroboros uh, Hacker Hunter videos for Dark Souls to uh, know that vibe, Jake. So... <laughs> <laughs> in this universe is as satisfying as taking some loser who hacked themselves to have infinite hp and making themselves throw themselves off a cliff in a video game i've i've personally experienced that in a souls game it is it is exhilarating mm -hmm. <laughs> trash will always be trash but <laughs> uh how have your uh feelings on the series evolved over time jake i want to start with you on this because uh eden zero was in your top three for uh last year so yeah, in a lot of ways, it almost feels like I don't have much to say here, but there there is a bit of a thing uh, about this, and I think it's probably a good thing in service to my continued enjoyment of the series, but there were moments where um, I kept underestimating Eden Zero, so when it does these, like, really, really, like, earnest bits, I think it's the reason why I felt dread rather than tedium for the uh, Hermit backstory, because, um, like... I didn't or I, the hermit backstory is maybe not the best example of that because uh, I did kind of um, like I, I dreaded it because I expected something good out of it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, there there were a lot of cases where like uh, like Pino in particular, actually, I think is the good example of this, where I did not expect like her just like smiling so brightly at wanting to be human would have such an emotional effect on me. Um, I just keep underestimating how much uh, this series can leverage my emotions in the best way mm -hmm. and just make me enjoy experiencing it. So, I mean, like, it, it, it's sort of the paradox of it's exactly the same, which I didn't expect because I didn't realize I kept underestimating it. You know, uh, I'll say uh, not quite to the full extent that you did, but basically the same because... Like I said earlier in this episode, I forgot just how delightful I find this manga to be. It's just so much fun to watch Shiki and Ko go off on wild adventures and do crazy things. It 
sometimes it gets serious and has a lot of heart to it and sometimes it's just rebecca and homer are getting into a uh <laughs> into an anime fight in the hot spring yeah that's a recurring mm-hmm. thing too it's not just that rebecca and homer have to go into the hot spring it's that homer has to challenge rebecca to honorable combat mm-hmm. whilst they are still in the hot oh, spring. my favorite part was rebecca going like no we're obviously not gonna fight here geez what's wrong with you we're going to the <laughs> dojo and we're putting clothes on this would be ridiculous <laughs> it's so funny but it's like the world is a scary place sometimes it's just it's good to just have something that is fun and exciting and carefree like even like there's stakes in the manga but this manga is very carefree and it no matter no matter how bad the backstory gets there's going to be people who are uh, willing to help you through it and it, and you know it's going to be okay in the end. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the vibe. And of it. that is so freeing. From existing in 2022, that is so freeing. And I <laughs> I love Eden Zero just for giving me that that sense of uh that 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 kind of sense of peace. <laughs> it, it feels strange to say that. It it feels like I'm uh aggrandizing, but it really does. And Matt. Can't really say my opinions changed. Uh, I think when I read Eden Zero last time, I was kind of surprised I came into the discussion with like such a positive view on it. I I think Eden Zero just hits a really like niche thing of it's fun. And I can't find anything to like outright complain about. So I just kind of like, yeah, this is fun. Uh, I think it hits the same niche I have for um, the webtoon we read, uh, Scoob and Shag, mm-hmm. where I'm like, I don't know if I could honestly say it's good, but I'm having fun reading it. Like, I exactly. Yeah, I, I'm just like, I, I keep a pretty clear distinction that good and fun are two very different things. Like a movie, yeah. a movie can be good and not at all fun to watch. And that's kind of the point. But like a, a movie can also be fun to watch. But like, I'll if you told me, was that a good movie? I'm like, no, no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> it was a bunch of car chases and explosions and like gratuitous violence. Mm-hmm. So was it fun? Yeah, hell. Yeah, I, I left this space open for a kind of a general uh, vibe, uh, a way of uh, talking about your uh, thoughts on the universe. Um, I know Mashima Sensei admitted in an author's note that this is a very seat of the pants manga, which honestly, I think that's part of the reason I enjoy it so much, because uh, I am a seat of the pants author, personally. <laughs> I make things up on the fly constantly when i'm creating and i don't know if i should admit that openly in a uh, in a call with two of the people that i dm for in D occasionally but <laughs> I'm, I'm very much the opposite and that's why me and sam butt heads so much <laughs> <laughs> well uh, that's why matt and i trade off on uh dming occasionally for a, for a different experience <laughs> I, I guess it's sort of the thing of I I uh, a game recognized game moment of a seat of the pants creator uh, noticing uh, another doing the same, particularly when it comes to stuff like um, Iron Hill, the monument planet that had the statue of the 12 heavenly knights. That's just I'm going to put up a big thing. It's going to have a bunch of cool dudes on it. What do these cool dudes do? I have no idea, but they're here. And if I ever need a cool dude to show up in the backstory or in the story, they're there. I've got them. That is ammunition right there for me to use. 
Mm. But I entirely expect them to show up in the story. I I expect at least two of them to still currently be alive to show up uh, on the Eden Zero and say, "Where's Ziggy? Ziggy's dead. Uh, all right, you're uh, Shiki. That's your name. You're his heir. Okay, I'm now going to uh, treat you exactly as I would uh, Demon King Ziggy." Okay, and then and then either they become friends or they engage in honorable combat or probably both. <laughs> probably both. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the thing for me about the uh, the Heavenly Knights is um, the space time continuum ke- keeps getting uh, kicked in the teeth over and over again by this series. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know how long ago the uh, the Dark Age was when these Heavenly Knights were around. And honestly, I don't think it matters. That could have been 12 billion years ago, and I can expect them to show up in their 20 years old. Like, <laughs> time is con- the flow of time is convoluted in the Sakura Cosmos. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, them them showing up to me feels a, a bit inevitable. There's also the element of we know now for sure. And again, this is, you know, we mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode that it's like, you know, he may be he may be going by the seat of his pants. But, you know, <laughs> uh, figuring out what the multiple choice is and, and pick and uh, advocating for whichever one you think is the most fun has its own entertainment value to it. One of the things I couldn't help but notice is now we know like like now it's locked in because it's been said in the story that Shiki has a direct connection to mother. He's he's somehow directly connected with mother. And it, one of the things I he- mentioned is he her child that like and if if it's a literal biological child that presents some interesting uh, interesting complications um but like my immediate thought is um uh last time when we were doing uh predictions about the future of the story i mentioned that the idea of uh time loops was uh pretty it came up a lot and um you know like things being like stuck in time uh, is another thing that that pops up a lot. And, you know, my immediate thought is, like, is there some sort of cyclical nature for uh, Shiki's journey to Mother and, like, that playing into something? So, like, that's the thing that I uh, sort of, like, singled out in my mind. And uh, what about you, Matt? Any ideas? I don't know. I, I, I really have... Uh, I... The one thing I will praise Eden Zero for, it's got my favorite little bit of world building where you just randomly throw a title on someone and don't explain it at all. <laughs> like, Draken Joe gets introduced and he's one of, like, the six dark demon generals. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> he's the dark alchemist. Oh, what? Alchemy? Okay. <laughs> I, I can only assume that refers to his ether gear that seems to turn into the most valuable metal. Mm-hmm. But like, huh, and then like, what does that mean? What is was he part of a group of six super criminals? Like, oh, another valid way of experiencing Eden Zero is being along for the ride and just letting the author choose between the multiple choice and not caring about that. Like, what is that? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Again, we have a we have a bit of a, a, a spectrum on how uh, how we all reacted to Eden Zero. Would you continue reading? I think it's a i know it's a resounding yes from jake and it is yes. a, it is a resounding yes from me uh matt i'll give it a passive yes i'll i'll continue reading in the same way i'd continue reading most things like this was fun uh <laughs> so two uh, very enthusiastic yeses and a yeah okay yeah sure <laughs> which i think is a sign of a good series so mm-hmm. if you're looking for recommendations again hopefully uh dear listener you've already done the reading it's really good and i recommend it but yeah 
would say for us, if we have a 50% agreement on a series, that's probably good enough for someone to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Unless, like, someone listening knows they really vibe with one of, a, one of our picks. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. in that case, listen to what that person says. Don't listen to what I say. Unless I'm the person you listen to, which, you know, probably true, because I've got really good opinions. And <laughs> these guys are losers. <laughs> Look, I have stated numerous times that my taste is absolute trash. So if you are also a trash goblin, I welcome you. And if you're the overanalytical type, you're probably going to vibe with me. So... <laughs> Anyway, thank you once again, everyone, for listening to the Over Manga Cast. As always, you can find us on all of the social medias where we are at Over Manga Cast. Uh, make sure to follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube where the episodes go up. Uh, a bit delayed from when they release on all of your other uh, podcasting platforms, but it's also a good way to get in touch with us about individual episodes via the comment section. Uh, we also really appreciate uh, any reviews on your podcatcher of choice. Really uh, helps us out and uh, helps us uh, grow our audience. So we uh, appreciate that a lot. Absolutely. And as always, if you have any uh, requests of series you'd like for us to cover, uh, reach out either in a review on Twitter, YouTube. Anyway, as long as I can hear it, I might listen to you. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that Matt will deign to hear your cries. But if you DM us on Twitter... It's more likely than not. I'm going to say I don't listen to these guys most often. So you've got maybe a 5% chance better than them. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a chance for a natural 20 right there. Uh, Make sure to tune in next Thursday when we are going to be uh, returning to Jujutsu Kaisen at long last. I've been looking forward to doing another episode on this one. Indeed. And uh, we've got a hefty uh, reading assignment for you all out there we are going from chapter 19 to chapter 54 uh, most of that is a tournament arc i'm gonna just oh. thank goodness that this is a this is this is a more typical shonen <laughs> this isn't the eden zero shonen where it's a lot of emotional stuff framed by a couple of panels of fighting this is a shonen shonen if uh, if anyone's fans of naruto there's a lot of fighting in a forest for one of the arcs, so you'll be fine. <laughs> yep. Ah, okay, so uh, I will uh, ready myself to mentally return to 2009, and uh, we'll see you all next Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night.